0: Thanks for being here this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask that you would just take this time, uh, these next few moments, to make a difference in our lives, to challenge us, to strengthen us, to bring comfort, but Lord, also to challenge us to, to step up and to share and to be a witness. God, I thank you for the Gospel of John, and I pray that, uh, that it would just speak to everyone's heart today for your glory, for your honor, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. Well, man, this morning... It's so good to have Pastor Pale back, and uh, and uh, he p- popped in and uh, showed up during worship. And I'm thinking, hey, he's been gone in Texas, and uh, we're grateful to have you, Pastor Pale. Uh, we love you, and uh, we've missed you the last couple months, and uh, we're glad that you're here uh, this morning. We are heading into John chapter. Let's say it together, ten. 10 that's right, and it's a very well known passage. It's fantastic. Um, I f- have fallen in love with this passage again uh, over the past week as I've studied and labored over the text. Um, it is a very personal, relational, a very warm, encouraging chapter. How God relates to us as His, we are His children, right? And how He wants us to relate to Him as He is our Father. In this chapter, we also see two more I am. Statements and we talked about that a couple weeks ago, and we're going to focus on that Jesus is the gate or the door, and then He is the good shepherd. Uh, previous to that, we looked at He is the uh, the bread of life, He's the living water, and these are important. I am there's seven in all of John, and we see two in this chapter, and that's where our focus will be this morning. But before we really look at the verses here, there's a couple things I know. Noticed, and you may have noticed if you did pre-read this chapter, some points of notice is how I'd like to kind of capture this idea. The first thing I noticed is that Jesus, his relationship with the Father was amazing. When he was asked about his identity over and over, kind of who is Jesus, that's what John is trying to capture here. When he was asked, how can he be so effective, he, when he was asked how he was able to do so much, in John chapter 10 in particular, this chapter alone, 11 times he points back to the Father. This is significant. He says, I serve at the Father's direction. He said, The authority comes from the Father. Let's look at it, verse 30 in that chapter. Uh, turn with me to John chapter 10 if you're not already there. He says, I and the Father are one. He is claiming to be God over and over, but the connection to his Father, going back to that, is, is noticeable in this chapter in particular. The second thing I notice is that in my Bible, I'm not sure about yours, the title here, or the, kind of the header, is The Good Shepherd and his sheep. I don't know if you've ever thought of yourself as a sheep, but in these first 21 verses and even beyond, we see that we are sheep. But it's not the only place in scripture that that kind of captures that idea. In Isaiah chapter 53 verse 6, it says this, says, we all like sheep have gone astray, each to his turn to his own way. In Romans chapter 8 verse 36 we kind of see the same idea. For your sake, we face death all day long. We, consider, we are considered as sheep, right? And then, of course, the, the biggest, there's lots of verses like this, but uh, what is the one that comes to mind when you think of God being a shepherd, us being sheep? How about Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd, right? And we're going to get to that. But when you think about being a sheep, just turn to your neighbor and say, you're a sheep, and then give them a little bah, right? Come on. Or some are like, no, I'm not going to do that, right? I get it, I get it. Well, you might think of a sheep, you know, kind of in this, you know, sweet, you know, beautiful, right, this beautiful picture. Well, being a sheep is not all that flattering. Let me just tell you, sheep are not smart, They struggle with anxiety. (laughs) Sheep cannot protect themselves. They can't provide for themselves. Sheep are so dumb, I read this week, that if a sheep, and I don't know if this is true, if a sheep falls off a cliff, goes off a cliff, the sheep that are falling will just follow suit, and just one after the next will go right over the cliff. You say, wait a second, and we are like sheep, right? (laughs) Well, just think about it. If we're left to our own, we will self-destruct, won't we? And go over the edge. The point is we need a shepherd, and that's what this, this chapter is about. The third thing I notice is that many of Israel's notable leaders were shepherds. Over and over in the Gospel of John, the, God, uh, the Apostle John is trying to describe who Jesus is, right? And he's describing Jesus as being more than the Old Testament heroes. He is greater than Moses in chapter 5 and we studied that. In chapter 8 he was greater than Abraham. And who's the greatest shepherd you can think of? David perhaps. And in chapter 10 indirectly what John is trying to capture here is that Jesus is greater than even King David. Now, I don't know how many of you are sheep farmers or sheep herders. Anybody own a sheep? I know Rachel owns a goat now, (laughs) right? Anybody at all? Nope. Well, neither am I. And it's interesting as you kind of look at this, uh, if you had a flock of sheep, I think that's how you'd say that, or a herd of sheep, today you would corral those sheep by dogs and by horses. But that's not the way it was in Jesus' day. In fact, for thousands of years, and this is kind of giving some backdrop to what owning a sheep might look like, there were groups of families in a village in in the Bible times that would bring their sheep at night together, all the different families, and they would put them in a sheep pen or a sheep fold, a fenced-in area to provide shelter uh, for their sheep. They would come in through a gate. We understand that. and We'll see a little bit of that this morning. Uh, but a shepherd would come back then the next morning to take the sheep out to graze, out to pasture, right? For food, for water. And you say, well, how in the world would a shepherd step into a sheep pen with maybe hundreds or even thousands of sheep and get his sheep out? That's right, they hear his voice, they hear his call. The sheep know the shepherd, the shepherd know the sheep by name. And if the shepherd were to take the, his, out, his uh, sheep out, for an extended period of time, maybe in the summer, for a week or two, and would be out in the fields and not come back in at night, the shepherd would provide a shelter for the sheep that would create some sort of barrier and would sleep at the gate or at the, uh, maybe an opening to make sure that the sheep were safe. And so that's a little background that's important for under, to understand as we look at John chapter 10. I hope you're learning something. Something else I learned is that John 10 comes right after John 9. And I know that blows some of your mind, but let's think about what we studied last week. The man born blind, because there is a tie here, he was healed. The religious leaders went crazy. They cared less about the man and more about Jesus that he was healing on the Sabbath. And so what Jesus is doing in this particular passage in John 10, it's a follow-up to what just happened. He's describing the Pharisees against himself. He describes himself as gracious and compassionate. He describes himself as the gate, and he describes himself as the good shepherd. Against the Pharisees, which were not gracious, were not compassionate, were actually ungodly, self-absorbed, perhaps, but they were blind leaders, just like the man that was blind. He's going to make that tie. They were bogus shepherds. They were thieves and robbers. And all that we're going to see come to play in John chapter 10. Now, I'm in this process uh, over the next couple of weeks, Uh, and I have been for a couple weeks, where I've been trying to get better in my speaking ability. And uh, I learned that you better have three good points. And so this morning, uh, in that process, I learned that. And so this morning, I came up with three points. How about that, Rocky? (laughs) And the first is this, and I hope these are a blessing to you, is that the good shepherd, that's Jesus, he comes to the sheep. He comes to them. Let's look at it. Let's look at John 10. It says, very truly, I tell you, Pharisees. Again, he's following up from the previous chapter. That anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. And I want to pause there for a moment. We're not going to look at all the verses in John chapter 10 this week. Um, But these particular verses really spoke to the point that the good shepherd comes to the sheep. When it starts off and it says, very truly, that's the idea there, is that he's saying amen and amen, your Bible may say that. It's the idea that you can count on whatever I'm about to say. And then he describes that a shepherd comes through the gate, not like a predator, not like a thief, But he leads the sheep out of the gate, right, to abundance. And as you look at the chapter and its whole the idea is that you lead to life. The shepherd has a desire to be close to the sheep. He wants to be in relationship with them. Relate that to your life, you, where you live. Do you understand that Jesus, he seeks you out where you live? He wants to seek you out. He comes to us. He looks for us for ways to be good to us. A shepherd takes the sheep out of the pen to be healthy. It would not be healthy for the sheep just to live in those corridors uh, all the time. They need to get out. They need to graze. All of these things. Remember, sheep are dumb. They cannot survive on their own and they need a good shepherd. And the shepherd comes to the sheep. The second thing is that a good shepherd calls his sheep. Let's look at it. As we finish verse 3, it says, uh, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep, they listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. He leads them by using his voice. The idea here is that Jesus, or God, is a vocal God. In verse 4, we will read, you will read that we know his name. Verse 16, you listen to the voice. And with that, not only are you listening, there's an obedience that comes with that. And then look at the end of the chapter, close to it. Verse 27 says again, the sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to be called by my name. I like it when people remember my name. Are you in the same, same boat? And it's, it's something that we all have to work on to remember people's names. But the sheep, they're known. The shepherd knows them because he's been with them. I love that. And we see this picture here of a very personal God. Powerful enough to create everything, but intimate enough to know us. To bring us to abundance. So the question this morning is, do you hear his voice? Is God speaking to you? This weekend, our staff and our board and are, are, are spending a lot of time together. Friday, Saturday, all day today through the evening. Discerning vision and future for our church. And it's something you could be praying with us about. And we'll be bringing some reports in the next week or so. But how about for you? Is God speaking to you? Can you hear His voice? He calls us one by one. I believe that. If you're struggling, saying, man, I don't really hear God speaking all that much, I would ask you, why can't you hear? Is there too much noise in your life? Are there distractions? Are you too busy? Or you don't know how to listen? See, I believe God is a verbal God. He was in Scripture. He is today. He speaks to his sheep. You say, how does he do that? He speaks primarily through his word. So you've got to be in his word. You've got to read it till the pages fall out, we say, right? But he also speaks to us in a still, small voice, through promptings, through sensing. How many know God can speak through dreams? How many have you have ever had a dream and and maybe I mean I'm not talking crazy dreams, uh, but uh, you know a dream you wake up and you say, God, are you saying something to me? I know that's happened to me. God can speak through nature. At our annual business meeting, I kind of talked about a fog that was being lifted and, uh, I, on a personal retreat day where the, the Lake Michigan was just covered with fog and I'm on the lake and, and uh, looking forward to spending time, but there was just a straight fog and, and God was speaking, I believe, through nature for me. He speaks through our friends, through discernment, through words of knowledge, the gifts of the Spirit at work. God is speaking directly to each of us. Sometimes it's through circumstances. We talked about that last week, suffering and pain. But the question is, can you hear his voice? Are you paying attention? Proverbs says, incline your ear to wisdom. What does that mean? That means kind of turn your ear and lean in, right? God wants to be close to us. The sheep know his voice. So he comes to us. He calls us. But there's a third thing that the good shepherd does. The good shepherd cares for his sheep. Let's start in verse 4. It says, when he is brought out all on his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because, he, because they know his voice. I have referenced that just a minute ago. But they will never know or never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. So he continued in verse 7, Therefore Jesus said again, very truly, again, mark my words, what I'm about to say is true. I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. And then verse 10, which is a very popular verse, the thief only comes to kill and steal and destroy. But I have come, what? That you may have life and have it to the full. The idea here is that Jesus, the good shepherd, he cares for us. Let's turn to that popular verse or chapter in the Bible, Psalm 23. Psalm 23, one of the most uh, memorized chapters in the Bible. It's a great, great idea of what a shepherd does. Let's look at it. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, right? I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in greed and pastures, He's caring for us. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the paths, right, for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare, the shepherd prepares a place for In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me. That's the caring aspect, right? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. That's what the word says. You think about that, that we will not be for want. You will have what you need because your shepherd cares for you. He makes you lie down. That takes away any anxiety or any worry. He makes us lie down. The idea is that God knows what's best for you. A sheep is not natural. It's very difficult for a sheep to lay down. It's also interesting that a shepherd will lead the sheep by still waters. That's good, pure water that won't hurt the sheep. He restores our soul. I love this. As I was studying this, there's an example that kind of emerged that a lamb or a sheep, they, they've got big bodies, big torsos, skinny little legs, right? In fact, we had a picture, I think. Let's put that picture back up if we can get that. Just can, can you imagine? And then have you ever seen a sheep that gets turned over and like his feet are in the air? They call that being cast, right? Right? a lamb or a sheep can be cast upside down. And you think about that, even in your own life. How many times are you downcast, right? Or how many times are there areas where you are not strong or depression or you don't have your legs underneath you, right? Well, the good shepherd, he comes to us, he calls us, but then he cares for us. In those cases where the lamb is kind of up and the feet are up in the air, you can't just flip the sheep back over. You got to take your time. You got to put them on their side. You got to rub the legs so there's blood going to those legs. If, and there's a process in that of great care. And that's what a shepherd does for you, our good shepherd. He cares for us. And ultimately, his care leads him to laying down his life for each of us. We see Jesus as the gate here. That's the way to salvation. We see Jesus as the good shepherd that he lays down his life. He goes on to say a little later, and I'm not sure we have this on the screen, but uh, I, I love this portion here. In verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. You can follow along in your Bibles. The good shepherd lays down his life. The hired hand will not... Is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees a wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks and the wolf, uh, then the flock is scattered. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So there's a distinction between a hired hand and a shepherd. The distinction here is all about the Pharisees compared to Jesus. But Jesus is saying, Look, I own you. And if that kind of doesn't settle right, uh, I would encourage you to search Scripture that Jesus, He owns you, every part of you. And you are, it's not like He's a hireling. He doesn't just leave us when we're in trouble. Right? He does this for us. So I'd ask this morning, in response to these three ideas, The first question I have is, how or have you entered by the gate? We're talking about salvation here. You can't jump over the fence. You can't just do good works to receive salvation. Your coming to church, which we love, does not save you. It's not your giving or your serving in some way. The way to salvation is only by the gate. The first point was that the shepherd, he comes to the sheep. And what's great about that is that we don't have to go looking for the shepherd. He's pursuing us. He's been watching you. He cares, or like, he gets, we'll, we'll get there, he cares, but he comes after us. And you can't try to get to him in another way. Every other way is false. Buddha is a thief. Muhammad is a robber. Gandhi is a thief. Joseph Smith, and others. There's only one way to Jesus, and it's through him. It's only one way to the Father, only through Jesus, and Jesus is that gate. He comes to us. He pursues us, but he's right there, and we just have to turn and respond. The second question I have is, are you hearing Jesus clearly? The second point that we made is that the shepherd calls his sheep, and so are you listening? Is Your relationship with God, close and personal. As believers, we should follow Jesus with everything that is within us. Do you believe that? Seeking to do what Jesus does. So what that means is that you're not fake, right? You don't just say the right things, but that your heart is in it. And I would encourage you to say, how is my heart? Not just a fraction of my life. Okay, on Sundays, I'm committed. Or at small groups I'm committed and I can kind of give God those parts of my life. But every part? Or it's not a feeling. It's not just the warm fuzzies and after those go away. No. I really like what James McDonald says. He, he says, you are not a follower if you are not following Him. That kind of challenges me. What should a follower do? We should follow Jesus. And so we should follow Him And forgiving others when they wrong us. Right? We're loving when we're persecuted. Or when we get punished or we get chastised for our ministry. What What did Jesus do? He laid down his life. The Good Shepherd. He comes to us, he calls us. We should follow him. But the last question I have is: how is Jesus? Caring for you. Do you see it in your life? How Jesus is caring for you? Could you come up with an example in the last week of how God, our Heavenly Father, our Shepherd, has come alongside and made the difference in your life? And I want to challenge us this morning to just put our attention on Him, the Good Shepherd, and to begin to see what He has done. In a greater fashion. That God, He wants to reveal Himself. He wants to care for you. And He wants you to acknowledge His care. And what happens is when you do that, is when you acknowledge that, you become a witness to Him, for Him. You become what John has described as bearing witness. And it's each of our responsibility to look at our lives to say, God, where are you working? Where have you made the difference? Where have you pulled me through? Where have you showed great care? And then to share those things. To share that He is an incredible Father that loves us. He is our shepherd. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you, God, that you care for us. You have searched us out. You come after us. And God, you call us by name. And God, I pray over the next few moments that we would be able to respond to those things in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask that you stand this morning before we kind of close and before we kind of head out this morning, I want us to sing this song, just set our hearts in response to what God is doing in our hearts in regards to John chapter 10. I realize that this morning, as we sing that, or as you listen to us sing that, you may not have a relationship with a father like that. You may not have found salvation as we were describing earlier. The Bible says that you have to enter through the gate to make it into heaven. Jesus is describing himself as the gate. He is the way. Later in John, he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And if you're here this morning and you haven't made a decision to follow Christ. And you're sensing Him calling you. He's pursuing you. Like that first point, He's coming after you. If you're here this morning, you're ready to make that decision. I just want you to raise your hand this morning. We want to pray for you. We don't want to embarrass you. We just want to come alongside you, help you. Who this morning, first service, says, you know, Pastor, that's where I am today. I need a relationship with Jesus. I need to come through Jesus to the Father. Anyone first service? If the Lord is impressing your heart, if your heart is beating fast, I just encourage you just to say to the Lord, is this my time to give your heart to the Lord? If that's you, just raise your hand. Just give you a moment. We'll move on. If I could have everyone's eyes on me here just for a moment, this is important. That second piece this morning is that this good Father that we just talked about, that loves us so much, he calls us by name. That should bring comfort, but it also should help us to tune in, to kind of turn our ears and listen. This morning, if you're struggling hearing the voice of God, if you're struggling in an area of your life where you could use the voice of God just to make things crystal clear, I just want you to lift your hand. I'm going to pray for you this morning. Yep. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. God, that you're a God that calls us by name You know the details of our lives, and for those that are raising their hands or those that did, God, I pray that you would just bless them, that you would speak to them, help them to slow down, to listen, God. I pray. Lord, that you would give them revelation through your word, through Holy Spirit promptings, through friends and family. God, you can speak through dreams, through nature. God, you, I believe that you are you're speaking. Lord, help us to listen. Help us to make it personal. I pray. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Lord, I pray that as we close our time here, that the work of your word We'll just be beginning. That you'd take us from here, God. You'd strengthen us. You'd help us. God, I pray that that we'd find you. God, that we'd hear your voice. And then, God, we'd share how you're caring for us. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' name. And now I pray that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us. Again, in your wonderful name. In the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen and Amen. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. Turn and greet someone this morning as you leave.